Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Grab your Bibles with me if you would. Please turn to Acts chapter 11 today. Acts chapter 11. And uh, while you're turning there, again, welcome to those of you that are joining us online in A2. Maybe you're listening to the podcast or watching on television. We are so glad that you are here today. A couple of other thoughts before we jump into God's word. Uh, one of those things is I think um, next Sunday, we're gonna take a little bit of time kind of in the context of the message that we're looking at and talk a little bit more about the crisis that is taking place right now in Ukraine and kind of what is our perspective as believers and Christians on some of those things. And even parents, how do we, how do we help to talk to our kids in times like this about some of these things? And I think it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity uh, for us to be able to help to direct that conversation and point people to who Jesus is and how God works in our lives. I'd also encourage you, it can be real easy in moments like this to, to get consumed with bad news. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You can let that into your, your heart. It can become kind of toxic if you're not careful. I just encourage you, don't let a manic media take your eyes off a, a, a father who is faithful and one that we can trust in in this time. And several people have asked, Pastor, what, what can we do? Outside of praying, is there anything that we can do to kind of take part? And uh, whenever there is um, kind of a natural disaster or a crisis of some kind, our partner is an organization called Convoy of Hope. Uh, we've partnered with Convoy for years and years and years, and uh, they have already uh, put out information that they are already on the border uh, in Ukraine. They're reaching out to refugees, doing the things that they can in those places. And so if you'd like to help in some way to partner with Convoy of Hope, you can do that through their website or you can actually just give through Calvary's as well. Just click on the <clears throat> Give tab that's at the top of our website. And uh, when you go to give there, you can just put Convoy in the, uh, the spot that's there to give. Or also, if you've not yet tried out the text to give option, this is, this is what I did when I gave uh, to this need. It's really simple, you just text, and I, I don't know if we have it available, or you can find it on our website, but it's just 45777, and you just put in CC for Calvary Church, you put in the amount, and then just put the word convoy, and it's, it's actually really slick once you get it set up, and uh, if you're looking to give in that way, might be a good way to go. Also, this Wednesday night is our annual business meeting. Our constitution as a church asks that once a year, on the first Wednesday night in March, we have a meeting of those that have entered into formal membership here at Calvary. So if you've been through the membership class and that process, uh, we'd encourage you to come on out for that meeting, seven o'clock here in this room, always a really important time for us in the life of the church. We'll be reviewing our finances, we will be electing church leadership and uh, celebrating the good things that God did in this last year. Uh, three candidates for our deacon board that'll be considered are Ken Best, Don Rourke, and Adam Smith. We'll have activities for our kids and for our youth. And I, I'm actually really excited for some of the things that we'll be able to kind of talk about and introduce in this meeting that I believe are going to um, be moving us forward as a church into the, uh, the months and, and years ahead. And uh, so if you have been a part of the formal membership process, I hope you'll come out and join us uh, Wednesday night, seven o'clock right here for our annual business meeting. Well, we're in a series of messages that we are calling a new season. And we've been talking about primarily the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, looking at times in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit did something new and unique and how that impacted and affected the life of the church. We've kind of worked off of this kind of common theme that new seasons emerge 
from fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit. That new seasons emerge in our lives from fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit. And that my motive behind this has been, I want you to have a personal encounter, a personal relationship, if you will, with God through his Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is not just this kind of thing that we can't understand that just floats out here, but the Holy Spirit is a person, he is God, and he wants to be alongside of us and work in our lives every day, help us, come alongside of us, be the one who gives us strength and wisdom. So we've talked in this series about how he gives us courage for our calling, about how he gives us wisdom for leadership, about how he gives us eyes for expansion. And we, we looked at this last week to see how God can use our lives. And we've been kind of leading with a prayer every week. And this week's prayer is this, that Heavenly Father, in this new season, may your Holy Spirit bring to me the heart of a seeker. The heart of a seeker. Today's story is gonna be about two individuals. And the key about both of these guys in this story is that they were already seeking God. Like they had the heart of a seeker where they were open to say, God, what are you doing? What do you want to do in my life? And that's super important if we want God to do something new in our hearts, in our lives. So why don't we jump right into the story? We'll understand a little bit more why we're praying about the heart of a seeker today. But it's Acts chapter 11, verse one. We read this. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. In scripture, the world is really kind of divided up into two big chunks. There are the Gentiles and the Jews, and the Jews are God's chosen people, and the Gentiles are everybody else. And so this is a big deal when you read this verse, and if you're just reading it without, without knowing what happens the first 10 chapters in the book of Acts, you might read this and go, well, why is that such a big deal? Now watch the pattern that we've seen. Acts chapter two, day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit is poured out on the church, and with that fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit, it's a new season where the church literally starts. It's like when the Christian movement is launched, and it happens there on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit is poured out. Then you get this next big step when you get to Acts chapter eight, this is where we were last week, in Acts chapter eight, Philip goes to Samaria. Now the Samaritans weren't really Jews. They, they were kind of half Jews. The, the Jewish people would have said they were half breeds. Remember all that tension between the two of them we've talked about the last few weeks? And there's that tension that's there. And yet God does something so special where he pours out his spirit on the Samaritan people. And now they're saying, whoa, this is different. Because now it's not just for the Jews in Jerusalem, but God is giving this great gift of salvation to the Samaritans as well. Then when you read Acts chapter 10, you'll see that the next thing that happens is there's this guy named Cornelius. He's not a Jew, he's not a Samaritan, he's a Gentile. And this Gentile receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. He receives salvation through Jesus Christ. That's a whole new thing for the church, right? This is, you wanna talk about a new season, that now the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ is not just for Jews, it's not just for half Jews, it's for Gentiles, and I, for one, am very thankful for that. Anybody else, right? Because this is one of the most significant things that happens in church history, because now the gospel is for everybody. So when you read this, this is a new season. Like, this is, this is brand new. So Acts 1, 11, 1, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Big news, new season, verse two, 
So when Peter, and you'll see this in a minute, Peter's the guy that preaches the sermon. He's the guy that goes and introduces them to Jesus. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, that's the, the Jewish believers, the ones there in Jerusalem that probably were Peter's friends, probably people he's known for a long time, the circumcised believers criticized him. So you got this incredible thing that happens in Acts chapter 10. You got this amazing new season that's born. And the first thing you see happen is when Peter goes up to Jerusalem, the circumcised, the Jewish believers did what? They, anybody ever been criticized? It's fun, isn't it? Look, and this, this leads us to something that I think is, is really important for us to recognize. I'll, I'll tell you, this series has been, I think, really important in, in my own life because I don't want you to miss on what the Holy Spirit might be doing. And I don't know that we always see it or understand it, but what many of you are hungry for is a new season from God. Like you're looking for a, a depth spiritually that can only come from a greater work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And, and for some of us, we're like, hey, we're in a great spot. I, I just want more of God. And some of us are like, well, I know I need God at work in my life. And some of us are like, Chad, I don't know that I can make it without him right now. And wherever you're at, there's that new season that we want to come. But the reality is, anytime you have entered into a new season, you, you've had a moment on a Sunday morning in a service where you go, God, you spoke to me or you're reading his word and he shows you some truth that you can hold on to, or somebody speaks a word of encouragement into your life and you just know that that's God who's, who's trying to give you that, that encouragement and that love, or you just sense that there's, there's a new breakthrough in your life, there's forgiveness, there's deliverance, there's something that's happening. Anytime those things happen, you enter into a new season like that or you want to expect this, new seasons will often be met with obstacles. We shouldn't be surprised that the first thing Peter encounters when he steps back into his home church is that they say to him, oh, Peter, we don't do what you just did, and he gets criticized. We're gonna look at this kind of over the course of the next two weeks, and, and we'll look at it from a bit of a different angle next week. But the, the thing is that oftentimes when we want to have more of God in our life, when we want to grow in our relationship with him, when we want a new season, we can expect that there will be obstacles and some of them are of our own making. Some, sometimes it's sin in our lives. Sometimes it's wrong belief that we have about Jesus or about scripture. It's doubt that comes in. But what we see in Peter's life here runs even kind of deeper in some of those things. So what happens next in Acts chapter 11 is Peter basically goes on trial and he has to defend what happens in Acts chapter 10, where the new season comes from. And as he does this, what we're gonna see is he has to deal with different obstacles that if you and I aren't careful, will block the, the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. We're, we're gonna look at six obstacles to a new season Six obstacles to a new season. I think these things can apply to God's blessing in your home, in your family, on the job, at school, in, in your spiritual life. So we're gonna look at these six obstacles to a new season. So let's jump back into the story. Peter has been there as the Gentiles receive the gift of God. He gets back to Jerusalem. They criticize him. And look at this in verse three, Acts eleven three. They said to him, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them they have immediately said, time out, Peter. You should not have done this. I mean, you think it might have been good, but Peter, we're gonna give you our thoughts. We're gonna let you know what we think. We're gonna give you our opinion. You shouldn't have done that. Like that was the wrong thing to do. 
And what we often face in times when God wants to do things through us is this obstacle that we, we feel like maybe we should take a step of faith or we feel like maybe we should do something new. And what challenges us is the first obstacle, number one, the opinions of others. Sometimes it's the opinions of others that can keep us from letting God do what he wants to do in our lives. Now we just read this and we think that these were just some random people. But these are the Jewish believers in the church. Do you know what Peter was? <laughs> a Jewish believer from the church. So these were his friends and family. Some of these people he might have known for a long time. These were people that he had had history with. And now when God is doing something new, the first thing he encounters is their opinion that says, Peter, this isn't right. And that'll happen to all of us at times. There will be these times when God is doing something in our life and we will come up against what other people say to us or what other people might think about us and we will let it keep us from doing what God wants to do. And that's, that can be a dangerous thing because what we don't wanna do is let one person's opinion keep us from growing in and becoming the masterpiece that God intended for us to be. Does that make sense? I've got a friend who works in the entertainment industry and he spent a lot of time in and outside of Hollywood and he was, he was talking the other day about something that I had never heard of called script coverage. And here's the idea behind it. The movie studios get all kinds of screenplays sent to them by aspiring screenwriters who want their movie to get made. That makes sense, right? So they send these documents to the studios, hundreds and hundreds of pages. There's no way for the studio employees to just, or especially the executives, to read all those things. So what they do is they hire people to do script coverage. So what that is, somebody takes the script and they read it, and then based on some criteria, instead of the executives having to read hundreds of pages in the screenplay, they're handed maybe a two or three page document that says, here's what the story was about, here's how good we think it was, and here's whether or not we think you should make this movie or not. Have any of you ever seen a movie that should not have been made? Anybody? <laughs> right, you know what I'm talking about. So this can be important, like this can be important. But his point when my friend was telling the story was this, you've got someone who has written what they think is a masterpiece. They've put maybe years of their lives into these hundreds of pages. They send it off to see something happen with it, and just somebody on the outside reads it and has the power to control what may or may not happen to it just based on their opinion alone. Isn't that interesting? And it's exactly what you and I do with our lives sometimes. As God speaks to our hearts and says, you're a masterpiece. I have something I want to create through you. I have something I want to do in your life. And we let somebody on the outside who does not know what God is doing, who does not know how God has worked in our lives, who does not know the dreams that you have, who does not know the way he's changed you, by their opinion, keep you from creating the things that God has put in your heart. Does that make sense? Look, and in those moments, be careful that you, you don't let the opinion of others affect you. Do not allow the unhealthy opinions of others to distract you from the new season God is bringing to your life. Do not allow, and, and I'm gonna circle and underline here that word unhealthy, because sometimes people will give you healthy opinions called wisdom that you should listen to. There will be times when God will speak through other people to you and say, that might not be wise, or hey, don't do that. Don't be so prideful that you won't listen to healthy opinions from others. But when the unhealthy ones come, don't let them distract you from the new season that God may want to bring to your life. 
This is why this whole idea of listening for the Spirit's voice, be open to what he wants to say, can make all the difference in how God uses you, which takes us then kind of to this next step. Acts chapter 11, verse four. So starting from the beginning, remember this? So we've got the story. We've got Peter goes to Cornelius' house. The Gentiles now have been saved. He goes back to Jerusalem. They say their opinion is, Peter, you shouldn't have done this. They criticize him. So starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. He's gonna recount Acts chapter 10 for them kind of in a short order. He says, I was in the city of Joppa praying. Don't forget that when all this happens, Peter already has the heart of a seeker. He's seeking God in this. He says, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision and I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. He goes on to say that it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Now, it's interesting how he says those things because when I read those things, four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, birds, you were thinking breakfast. Anybody? (laughs) Peter was too because all those things that he's mentioning here are things that any good Jewish boy had grown up knowing you stay away from. They're not kosher. They're not holy. So you don't eat those things. And then Peter says, I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter's response, verse eight, he says, I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. So when God himself brings down this grocery store for Peter, right, and delivers it and says, Peter, go for it, Peter says, no, God, I've never done that, and I never will. And he shows us what can be the second obstacle to having the Holy Spirit bring a new season into your life. Number two, it's what I'll just call a made-up mind. That before it even happens, you've already got your mind made up. And you know you're right, and you're not willing to let anyone or anything change it. I had set up an appointment not too long ago. A friend and I were kind of back and forth on some things. And I had you know, sent a message and said, hey, you know, how about this day? How about this time? Great, that's cool. And then I saw him the day before, and I was like, hey, looking forward to tomorrow. And he says, is such and such time still good? And when he said it, I was like, you don't have the right time. I was like, you're 15 minutes off, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Like in my, in my head, I'm like, sure, that's great. That'll, that'll, that'll be the right time. But I'm like, why don't people read their messages? Why don't people look at their calendar? Why don't people just pay attention This should matter more to people. You know, you have this thought. And so then I went back and looked at my message. He had the time right. I had it wrong. Right? And I'm like, oh, man. But I was so sure that I was right and he was the loser. He was the one that was wrong. So sure in my head. And we do this with so many things where we're just so confident, so sure And poor Peter, I don't don't blame him for being this way because this was the way he was brought up. This is the way he knew. This would be new from God. But his immediate response to God wanting to do something incredible in his life was, oh God, I don't do that. I'm not gonna let that happen. Sometimes that that works out in our lives because of, of religion, our religious experience, rules that we've heard. Sometimes we even call it legalism. And you look at yourself or you look at other people and sometimes with no good reason, you just go, uh uh, no, no, no. That's not gonna happen. Sometimes God whispers something in your ear and he says, 
well, I'd, I'd like you to do this or say this or try this, or, or God opens up an opportunity and you're quick to say to him, well, we've never done that before, God. <laughs> we've never done it that way. And we're quick to want to push that aside if it's out of our comfort zone or it's not what we're used to. And here's the reality. God might want to change your mind. God might want you to see things a little differently. He might want you to see things from his perspective, not just what you thought you have always known. But when we seek him, are we also seeking the spirit and saying, spirit, help me to see, show me what you want me to see. Look, right now our culture is wired in such a way that you're either right or you're wrong. Isn't that true? And if you're not just like me, then you're wrong from me. And we put up these walls, and I think it'll seep its way into our spiritual lives as well if we're not careful. We have to have an open mind. Remember, what was Peter doing? In that moment, Peter was seeking the Lord and praying. A seeking heart will lead to an open mind. If you will seek the Lord with all your heart, It'll help you to be led to an open mind where he can speak to you, where he can speak to you about what God can, can do in your life, about your perception of others, maybe about your perception of yourself, maybe about a change that he wants to bring to your life. Can I, can I tell you where I've seen this more than anything else? Is in moments where God is speaking to your heart about offering grace or forgiveness to somebody. And before it even hits your spiritual sense you've already said no way I can't do that I can't extend that grace or I can't extend that forgiveness and this is huge this is part of what Peter I think is wrestling with here and this is one of those moments where if there's anything we need God to change our hearts about and change our minds about oftentimes it, it, it leads into this next thing that we need to talk about because I think as we kind of pull back this next layer, you're gonna see something else that not only was Peter wrestling with, but that we wrestle with. Let's go back to the text. Acts chapter 11, verse nine. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. So remember, the sheet comes down, grocery store on the sheet. Peter's like, no, I'm not eating that. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Peter had to have this internal wrestling inside of him because of things that he was just saying, well, this is not right. Now, look, we don't have time to unpack all of the, the theology here, all of the Old Testament history here, what the law says, the conflict between Jews and Gentiles, but Peter didn't have to unpack it. It all came to him like that. It was what he lived. And in that moment, his dukes came up because he said, as I think about the Gentiles and I think about who I am and I think about who you are, God, for me to do that, for me to move forward into that new thing, it's just not right. It's just not fair. And that thought that we sometimes have about what fair and is what is not fair can be something that hinders God's ability to work in our lives. Here's the third obstacle we might have to under, overcome. Number three is what I'll just call unfair factors. Like these factors that come into our lives, these stories we tell ourselves, they're the memories that we have. Times when we've been wronged, when someone gave us a wrong response, when we've been lied to, lied about, betrayed, disappointed, and we're quick to go, well, I'm not moving from here because that was not fair, and because that was not fair, I'm out. And can I tell you, life is not fair. Any amens? <laughs> like it's not. There's gonna be things that are coming your way that you go, that's not right. 
That's not fair. They hurt me. I got done wrong, however you want to say it. But here's the deal. What I've seen is God can often use the unfair factors in our lives if we will let him and actually use those as the things that will bring us to a new season and actually open up the opportunity for even greater blessing in our lives. Can I give you, as a carnal example, it's probably silly, some of you won't, won't get it, but, but this, this resonated with me when I heard this story. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Anybody here fans of the Rocky movies? Anybody? Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are more excited about Rocky than Jesus, but you know what I mean, right, the Rocky movies? So Rocky three, 1982, 81, 82 is getting made. Sylvester Stallone, right, he's the brains behind all of this. There's this iconic opening sequence to Rocky three, and for the music for it, he wanted to use the song Another One Bites the Dust. Do you know that song? Yeah, you know that song. So it's in your head, and it will be there for the rest of the day. You're welcome, right? So that song... So when he went to use the song, Queen, who was the band that, that performed, wrote that song, said, nah, you can't use it in the movie. Not sure why, but they were like, nope, can't have it. So Sylvester Stallone's a little put out. Not sure why they're doing it, and if you ask me, I think they missed an opportunity. <laughs> but they're like, no, you can't use the song. So instead, Stallone goes to a band called Survivor, says, hey, will you write a song for this sequence and because he got done wrong over here by Queen, we now have the great hymn of the church, Eye of the Tiger. Can I get an amen, right? That's my hype song, yeah? But we wouldn't have it if Sly hadn't gotten done wrong. Now look, I've seen this in my own life, that some of the times when I've been the most hurt, disappointed, and frustrated, opened up the doors for God to actually bring a new season into my life. But I had to be willing to let him do it. Here's the problem. When something happens, we usually like to hold on to that thing. Either because it, let's just be honest, it feels a little good to be bitter, or oftentimes because we're protecting ourselves from that happening again. And so what we do is we hold on tightly to those past wrongs, to those words, those actions. And holding on to past wrongs mean your hands are closed too tight to be able to get to future blessings. When you hold on to past wrongs, means your hands are closed to future blessings. And it may be that in a new season, God wants to send something new your way by which he's gonna bring his favor and his blessing to your life. And he goes to drop it into your heart, but you're so busy holding on to where you got wronged in the past with white knuckles that you can't open your hands and receive it. Does that make sense? So don't let those things in the past, I'm not saying you weren't wronged. I'm not saying it wasn't inappropriate. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be some kind of healing that needs to happen. I'm just saying if you hold on too tight, you'll miss on what God wants to do next because you're holding on to what happened in the past. Which takes us then maybe one more layer deeper into this story. Acts chapter 11, verse 11 Right then, okay, remember sheet comes down in the vision. God says, you can go ahead and eat from this grocery store. Peter says, I can't. God says, it's all good. Like we're walking through this process. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea. Where's Caesarea? Well, that's where Cornelius, the other guy in this story, is at. It's his home, that's where he's from. Cornelius stopped at the house where I was staying and the spirit told me, and this is what Peter says that's really important here. He says, the spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These are Gentile guys who show up at this Jewish house. This is not a normal knock on the door. 
This isn't Amazon or a salesman. This is the other team. And the Spirit says to Peter, have no hesitation about going with them. And then Peter says, hey, these six brothers, he had some guys with him from the church. He says, these six brothers also went with me. He took his posse with him. Probably a good idea, right? And we entered the man, that's Cornelius' house. For Peter to have done this, we can't even begin to imagine culturally where we are, what a big deal it was. And he could have very easily said, nah, I don't do that. Not them. No way. And instead, he had to come, overcome obstacle number four, which is what we'll call personal prejudice. Number four is personal prejudice. Not sure what that might be in your life or your heart, but if we're honest, if we'll take a moment and let the Spirit speak to us, there's probably someone or someones deep down inside when you look at those people, you think, I'm better than them and they're less than me. And if we're not careful, those things take such a deep hold in our lives that they become an obstacle to keep us from what God wants to do. How, how do I know it's a deep hold? Who did God use to initially take the gospel to the Gentiles? He used Peter. And yet years later in Galatians chapter two, Paul has to write about the time when he's with Peter, and while he's there, Peter's real friendly with the Gentiles, but once the Jew shows up, he pushes the Gentiles aside, and Paul has to call Peter out because of some deep-rooted prejudice that's still in his life. I'm not sure what it is in your life or your heart. It might be race. It might be gender. It might be somebody's social class. But if you truly want the Holy Spirit to do the work in your life that you hope he will, it may be that the Spirit needs to shine a spotlight on places of injustice, places of pride and superiority, maybe to ask the question, who do you think you're better than? Who is it you just say, well, I don't wanna associate with them? What do you say about people but fail to really believe or act on it? If you saw an injustice, would you really do anything about it? Like to let the spirit point out those things, why? Because that kind of thing in our lives can actually keep us from receiving what God wants to do. Here, here's a couple of scriptures. James chapter four, verse 10 tells us, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's not up to you to make yourself better than anyone else. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 23, verse 12. He says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Peter had to overcome this tendency to say, well, I'm not gonna do that because I'm better than them. He had to deal with his personal prejudice because putting others down keeps you from being lifted up. James tells us that in James four. And so if the spirit is shining a little spotlight on something in your life, don't be afraid to let him speak to your heart about it. Because one of the things we face is this idea that we're better than everybody else. But that pendulum goes the other way too. Back to our story, Acts chapter 11, verse 13. Cornelius, this is the guy that, that sends for Peter. Cornelius told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, 
Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. We've got to realize this was a big deal for this guy to even send this message. He may have been important, but he was stepping out for some rejection. Because typically, Peter would have said, hey, thanks for the note, I'm not coming. (laughs) You're a Gentile, I'm a Jew, I'm not coming. I don't know what you want, so I'm not coming. And for this guy to do this, he had to overcome thoughts of, I'm not worthy, it doesn't make sense, nobody would do that for me, why would God love me, how how can I ever be good enough? So what, what obstacle he had to overcome, number five, was an identity of insignificance. Number five, an identity of insignificance. Those times when we tell ourselves, I'm not good enough, my life doesn't matter. Like it's good for us to develop humility in our lives, isn't it? That was overwhelming. <laughs> We're gonna switch this to a sermon on pride. Turn with me in your Bibles too, right? It's good for us to develop humility, isn't it? Yes, it's good. But if you keep telling yourself that you're nothing or that God can't use you, it will actually create this identity of insignificance inside of you and you'll miss out on what God wants to do. So when your brain or the enemy wants to give you too much of something toxic and tell you how unimportant you are or how God can't use you or how he doesn't love you, you, you don't let that become something that stops the progress God wants to do in your life. Just a couple weeks ago, courthouse, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Somebody noticed a box that was out on the the front of the the courthouse, and they said, we need to do something about this. They set up a perimeter. They called in the authorities. They blocked roads. They sent in people who were specialized in checking these kinds of things, and when they got to the box, I think it's very important that I read to you the specific contents of the box. What it was is known as a cravings box from Taco Bell. It was customized with an assortment of regular and Doritos Locos tacos, as well as four beefy five-layer burritos. And it took them 20 minutes to deal with the box, clear the roads, and open the courthouse back up again. Here's the quote from the police officers. The tacos and burritos have been safely disposed of in the dumpster behind the police department headquarters. All of this over Taco Bell, which is delicious, by the way, isn't it? Taco Bell is delicious, but can I tell you, too much of it becomes toxic. You'll have more than a run for the border if you know what I mean, right? Right, you know what I mean? And the same thing's true with our thoughts. Like if you're not careful, if, if, you, if you think these thoughts of insignificance about yourself, they become toxic inside of us. And they keep us from what God wants to do. They will literally shut down the work of God in our lives because we argue with God and say, God, I'm not worthy. God, I'm not good enough. God, you could never do that. You could never love me that much. And because of things that you've heard or because of things that you've been done to you or just your own wrestlings, this identity of insignificance, if we're not careful, we, the only way to combat it is to go back to God's word. I, I, we've, been, we've been looking at a verse to memorize every week in this series. Here's this week's. The verse of the week is Ephesians 2.10. You, you've probably heard it a lot if you've been around here because it's, it's my favorite passage of scripture. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork. You're his masterpiece. He created you, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were ever born, God already had good works in store for you to do. And not mediocre ones, but ones that are a masterpiece from him. 
So when those thoughts start to come and tell you, those toxic thoughts try to shut you down, you go back to this passage of scripture and you remember that you are God's masterpiece. You have great value in him, which takes us, we better wrap this up. Uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 15. Peter says, as I began to speak, he's in the house of Cornelius, he starts his sermon, and as he begins to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now look at that verse for just a moment because it says that in the middle of Peter's sermon, the Holy Spirit comes on them. Peter could have said, time out guys, I'm not done saying important things. Peter could have said, well, hang on a minute, you can't get the same thing that we got because you're second class to us. Peter could have said, God, I I would do this a little bit differently and kind of change things, but what does he do instead? Look at verse 17, Peter says, So we go to the next verse. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And so many times I think the reason that I miss out on the new things God wants to do in my life more than anything else is because I stand in his way. Because I tell him, God, I do this differently. Or God, I'm not so cool with this. Or, or God, let's do. And sometimes the problem in my life, the challenge in my life, is the, the sixth thing that we need to overcome as an obstacle. Number six is the compulsion to control. To try to control everything. And maybe like Peter, at some point, we just say, God, who, who am I to try to stand in your way? Even if we feel like what's happening is in the wrong time, to the wrong people, at the wrong place. God, I trust in you. We, we've used this analogy quite a bit before, but it's, it's the one that every time I feel like I, I, I can't come up with anything that connects any better. Like, is anybody here, when you're driving, you like to be the one who is driving? Anyone? <laughs> like, you like to be the one? I always love this because there's always looks from spouses that uh, just don't seem kind, if, if you wanna be honest. Like, you just, you want to be the one with your hand on the steering wheel. That's me. Sorry, Rhonda, that's me. For whatever reason, there's very few people that I'm honestly like really comfortable with when they're driving and I'm not. I wanna have my hands on the steering wheel. I wanna be the one who's doing it. And the reality is, not just those of us who are driving control freaks, but a lot of us are that way in our lives. We're on this journey of life. We're like, Jesus, you're welcome to sit over here in the co-pilot seat. You can even stretch out in the back if you want but I got this, like I, I, I've got this. And at some point, if we don't wanna jeopardize what God wants to do in our lives, we may need to slide over. We may need to let go, not just of past wrongs, but let go of that wheel. For some of us, the most important thing we can do is to slip over here in the passenger seat and say, God, you have the steering wheel of my life. Lord, you have, I'm trying so hard not to say Jesus, take the wheel. But like, I'm trying so hard, but it's just, I gotta get it out of the way. But it's a good word, isn't it? Like, because I'm I'm gonna swerve and I'm gonna make a wrong turn and I'm gonna, and it's not that I'm not nervous over here sometimes, but sometimes I've just gotta say, God, I've gotta stop trying to control this. I've got to stop trying to control this situation with my kids and with my job and with the world and with my health. And at some point, God, I've just got to slide over here and say, Lord, you're in control. 
Holy Spirit, I give you the steering wheel of my life. Like the question I have for you is who holds the steering wheel of your life? Because what will happen is if I fail to surrender that to him, I'm gonna miss out on his blessings that he has for me. I'm gonna miss out on what God wants to do in my life. There's so much more that he, he wants to see and work and be a part of in our lives. But we have to be willing to trust him with those things. Let's look at the end of the story real quick. Acts chapter 11, verse 18. When they heard this, the Jewish believers, the ones who had criticized Peter, when they heard his story, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. What I truly want for you is life. What I want for you is to know everything that God has. And in those 18 verses, Peter walks us through these different obstacles that if we're not careful, can come in and keep God from doing what he wants to do in our lives. So we're, we're gonna sing a song in just a moment that affirms the place that Jesus has in our life. But before we do this, can we do a little work? Like I'm gonna invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Because for some of us, the last 40 minutes has just been an opportunity to hear God's word, maybe think about some things, maybe even catch a quick nap. But for others of us, it was God very deliberately shining a spotlight on places in your soul where you know that you sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit and it would be wrong whether you're in auditorium too you're watching this on a screen somewhere. Maybe you're listening to this in your car or you're sitting right here in this room. It would be wrong if we didn't give the Holy Spirit a moment to speak directly to our hearts about these things. Because for some of us, the words that others have spoken, their opinions have settled so deep in our spirit that they're keeping us from God's best. And we need to surrender those things to him today. For others, our mind has been made up. But the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now about maybe he wants to change your mind about someone or something. Maybe even to the point that you've been holding on to those unfair factors with, with white knuckles. And it's keeping you from receiving God's blessing. And today you need to open up your hands and extend forgiveness and grace in some way so that God can do the same and bring blessing into your life. When we talk about prejudice, it's an ugly thing. But it's also probably something that's not foreign to any of us. And so if there's a place where you need to say, God, I humble myself so that you can lift me up. Or maybe your thoughts about yourself have become so toxic that you think you're nothing but insignificant. And now's a moment for the spirit to just whisper to your heart, no, you're my masterpiece. Ultimately, it's a moment for us to slip over into the passenger seat and say, Jesus, I give you my life. And it could be that 
you're hearing this message and you're saying, that's exactly what I need to do. I can't do this on my own anymore. Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need your purpose in my life. And today I give my life to you. No better time than right now to just say, Jesus, I give you my life. We're gonna sing a song together that says, Jesus, nothing else will do. And if you need to do some work with the Holy Spirit to kind of deal with one of these obstacles in your life, as we sing this song, I would encourage you to do that. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thanks for your word. Holy Spirit, thanks that you know our hearts. Lord, we we give you control of our lives and we look to you because nothing else will do. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm caught up in your presence And I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy never want to leave and I'm not here for blessings and Jesus you don't owe me anything it's more than anything that you can do I just want you Sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I sing another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Oh, I'm sorry. When I've come with my agenda, I'm sorry. When I forgot that you're enough, take me back to where we started. And I open up my heart to you. Can we lift it up together, church? I'm caught, oh, I'm caught up in your presence. just want to sit here at your feet and I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave yeah oh and I'm not here for blessings oh Jesus you don't owe Declaration with us, cause nothing else.
But nothing else and nothing else will do. Oh, I just want you. Oh, sing nothing else. Oh, there's nothing else. Nothing else will do. Oh, I just want you. Sing nothing else. Oh, there's nothing else. And nothing else will do. Oh, I just want you. Nothing else. Oh, there's nothing else. Nothing else will do. Oh, I just want the heart of a seeker so that when these obstacles come up in our way Lord we'd not only identify them but that what we would want would be you Jesus Lord because I know that as we do that there are new things you're going to open up in our lives and our families our workplaces and in our church and so our prayer is God with the heart of a seeker nothing else will do we give ourselves to you. Lord, thanks for this opportunity to be in your presence today. Lord, would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.